Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is dedicated in loving memory of Millie Marcus Alea Shalom Lilu Nishmat Malka Bad Geres, sponsored by the Marcus family. As well, it is uh, dedicated in loving memory of uh, Marco Defunis Alava Shalom Lilu Nishmat Mordechai Ben Avraham Alava Shalom Anazaskara, sponsored by the Defunis family. Breakfast is also sponsored by Corey and Mark Adjby in celebration of the birth of their grandson, born to Rachel and Joey Braha. Mabruk. Breakfast is dedicated in loving memory of Salim Hedayeh. Alava Shalom Lilu Nishmat Salim Ben Farida. Alava Shalom, sponsored by his daughter Marcel Daba. And as well, breakfast is dedicated in loving memory of Moshe Haron Shochet. Alava Shalom Lilu Nishmat Moshe Haron Ben Lulu. Alava Shalom, sponsored by his son Haron Shochet. Breakfast on the class is also sponsored in honor of Raquel Mansour, dedicated by her husband, Joe Mansour, and their children. Hazaku Baruch. Rabotai, we have many different makot in, uh, in Egypt, and each makah is there to be able to communicate a message uh, to the Jewish people as we go and as we move through uh, uh, the, the makot. We learn a lesson from each one of the various makot. And today, I'd like to focus with you just for a couple seconds on the pesukim that uh, are stated when it comes to the makkah of Choshech. The pasuk says, "Vayhi Choshech Afela b'chol Eretz Mitzrayim Shiloshet Yamim," and there was a Choshech Afela, Choshech of darkness, in all of the land of Egypt for three days. V'chol, right? And then the pasuk continues, and it says. Um, that the Israel the Jewish people had light in their homes, but in the Egyptian homes it was so dark. A person was not able to see his brother. And a person was not able to stand if they were sitting or sit if they were standing. They could not actually move. They were frozen in place um, by the thickness of the Choshech. In fact, the Pasuk says the words Vayamesh Choshech, which means uh, that the Choshech was something that was felt, you were able to feel the Choshech. How thick was the feeling of Choshech? It answers, the Gemara answers that it was the Ovi, the width. It was as if you were pushing through something that was as thick as a di- the width of a dinar, which is a coin that they used to use at the time of, uh, of the Mishnah and of the Gemara. Rabotai, the Chidushe Harim, points out something that is magnificent. He says, what does it mean that there was this unbelievable Choshech? There was Choshech Afela in the land of Egypt. Why? Because Not therefore a man didn't see his brother, but because a man didn't see his brother, therefore there was this incredible darkness. The fact that there could be a people that took an entire nation and subjugated them based on who they on the on their uh, on their birth, the fact that they could take a people and put them through the mo- most incredible misery, based on some sort of trumped-up charge that they were worried about possibly having dual loyalties, that was something. That idea that they they could look and see such incredible. Uh, um, a lack of sensitivity, that meant that there was a darkness already present in the land of Egypt, and therefore it was manifest as well in the Jewish, in the Egyptians as well. So the greatest darkness that could ever be in our world is the inability for one man 
to see another. What a fascinating concept that is. The pasuk, the, the Mishnah tells us, um, if not ilav mora malchut, if not for the fear of government, ish et chavero chayim bilao, a man to his friend could swallow alive. Asks the Sifre Musar, look, it's incredibly cruel. You know, cannibalism is uh, incredibly cruel, correct? You found out someone was going to eat somebody else, right? What would happen? Forget cancer culture. They'll throw the guy in prison, right? The guy wants to eat someone else. A famous uh, horrible joke I remember from my childhood. Remember when you were a kid, you used to tell terrible, cruel jokes. Remember that? Yeah, so I remember, uh, anyway, I'm not even going to say it, it's just too cruel. I think about it now, the, the things that we thought were funny back then, I can't, even, I can't even say it, right? Just, you know, someone's a cannibal, that's it, you lock him up forever, throw away the key. And yet the Mishnah says that if not for the fear of the government, if not for the fear of getting punished, a person would swallow their own friend alive. How could you do that? Wouldn't the screams bother you? Wouldn't the guy pleading for his life turn you, uh, turn your compassion, uh, uh, you know, on? Rabotai, the Sefrem Musar say, you know how a person could swallow their friend alive? When they don't even notice that they're swallowing their friend alive. Rabotai, if you're capable of treating someone with such an abject lack of, lack of sensitivity, of kindness, then there's already such a darkness. It's clear, a person's not seeing their fellow man. And in a world like that, that's a world of darkness. Rabbi when God is interacting with the world in a very special way, and I wanted to share a very powerful idea. I'd like to say that perhaps the nature of punishment is not as we know it. And let me explain what I mean. Most of us think that you do something wrong and then God punishes you for the thing that you did wrong. That's how we understand the idea of what's it called, of, uh, of punishment. So I make a sin and then God punishes me for that sin. But in actual fact, I think that there's a much deeper understanding, perhaps metaphysically, perhaps Kabbalistically, about the nature of punishment and how punishment works. I think that actually what's happening is that really, when a person is, um, is cruel to someone else, when a person shows a lack of compassion, when a person breaks one of the great mitzvot that God gives us, when they disrespect their parents, when they steal money, when they don't return a lost object, when they take advantage of a yatom, of an orphan or a widow over anyone that is helpless, in truth, in our world of falsehood, you get away with it sometimes. So in a fake world, you know, fake things stand. But when God approaches, when there's a closeness to God, where God makes himself known, then the lies that allow for someone who lies to succeed, the lies that allow for someone who's wicked to succeed, they fall apart, they fundamentally melt away. So in a space which there is closeness to God, all of those things that you could experience in a fake world, suddenly you cannot experience anymore. That's what punishment is. When God heard the cry of the Jews, He came to their rescue. 
Like God said to Moshe, Imo anochi bitzara, I'm here with them in their pain. And when God came to them in Egypt, suddenly all of the negative traits of the Egyptians turned against them. So if not seeing your friend in a spiritual sense is darkness, what did they experience in their physical world which had now been invaded, which had now been pervaded by pure spirituality, the presence of God, they experienced the reality of their deeds manifest in their physical world. That's what I think the Makot were. Rabotai, let's take a look now and I think we'll see something very beautiful together. The Khatam Sofer asks a question. He said, what does it mean when we look at this uh, Pasuk and it says that for the Egyptians, what did the Egyptians have? The Egyptians had darkness. What did the Jews have? Right. They had light in all of their dwellings. So the Khatam Sofer asks a powerful question. He says, why is it that unlike all the other makot, by the other makot, it tells you what the, what the Egyptians had, and then it tells you that the Jews did not have that makah. So as an example, you tell me that the Egyptians had choshech, what should you tell me? And the Jews, lo choshech, they did not have darkness. Rabotai, the opposite of darkness is not light, it's just no dark. So why does it tell us that the Jewish people had light. And the Khatam Sofer points out something very beautiful about, his, about this diuk. And I want to read to you the idea that he says inside. He says, magnificent. He says, he quotes, <coughs> he quotes that the Midrash says, Hadahu this is what it means when it says, Shalach Choshech, God sent darkness, Vayecheshach, and it was dark. And the Jewish people did not rebel against his word. What does that mean? They didn't rebel against his word. Says the Khatam Sofer, I want you to imagine for one second you're a slave. You're a slave. All of a sudden, what happens? Your captor is frozen. What do you do? Run away. The Egyptians were frozen during the Makkah of Choshech. Why didn't the Jews leave? Why didn't they run? Says the Khatam Sofer, that's what the Midrash is telling you. That when God sent Choshech, Shalach Choshech Vayecheshach, Velom Maru Etivaro, they did not rebel against his word. Hashem didn't say to leave, we're not leaving. Why didn't they leave? Khatam Sofer says something unbelievable. He says, because the Jewish people had sworn before they went into uh, Galut. And Yosef made the Jewish people swear, Lemor, to say. He said, repeat after me. God will redeem you from this. And you will take it at Smotai, you will take my bones with you. The Jews did not have the bones of Yosef, so they didn't leave. Why didn't they leave during darkness? Because they'd sworn that they would take the bones of Yosef with them, and they hadn't taken them with, they hadn't found them yet. Obviously they couldn't leave yet. Says the Khatam Sofer, that's the idea 
Avucho Bnei Yisrael haya or b'moshvotam. There was light. It wasn't just that there was darkness. Remember, if the darkness here was the fact that one man could not see his brother, that people were cruel to one another, and when God shows himself, that is expressed as utter darkness. Rabotai. Then when Jews were illustrating their care, their concern, their sensitivity, why did the Jews agree to swear that, to make that promise to Yosef? Because they had hakarat atov, they were thankful to the fact that Yosef had saved them, that Yosef had forgiven them, even though they'd sinned against him in the story of the Mechirat Yosef, the sale of Joseph. They, they felt a degree, an element of gratitude, they felt a sensitivity, they felt that they needed to do this. And hundreds of years later, their grandchildren, when given a chance to escape, they said, how could I leave? I haven't fulfilled my word. I haven't kept my promise. How could I leave Yosef behind when he treated me justly, when he treated me kindly? Rabotai, if the lack of care man to man is darkness, then the care between man to man is light. And therefore, the Chobanei Israel, the Jewish people, had light to him. Rabotai, I want to add something that I think is very powerful here as well. When is the first time that we experienced darkness as a result of something? The first time we experienced darkness is in the very beginning of creation. When God creates the sun and the moon, and the moon approaches God and says, what kind of thing is this? Two kings? You know what you need to do, God. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Come on. Two kings? Can't be. God says to the moon, oh, you want to be the leader? Go ma'ati et atzmech. Go make yourself smaller. The first time we find darkness in this world as a result is when someone tried to take advantage. Someone tried to be bigger than somebody else on someone else's dime. So what happened when the Egyptians tried to take advantage of the Jews? Rabotai, darkness. The Chida says something magnificent. Why did they experience Choshech? The letters of Choshech are the same letters as the word Shachach. They forgot. And a new king arose over Egypt. He didn't know Yosef. Darkness comes when you can forget what someone did for you. Says the Chida continues, those same letters of Choshech, which begin with Shachach, with forgetting, carry on with Kachash or Kichesh, which means to deny. First, you let yourself forget. And then you deny the good that someone has done for you. Rabotai, that was the darkness of not being able to see one another. And I think um, if we are to try and bring that parallel into our own lives, I think there's something very beautiful here. Because the Pasuk continues and says, once this darkness was prevalent in their lives, they were frozen. You know, sometimes, Rabotai, we feel that we get stuck in situations, in, uh, in scenes, 
in moments. We're angry at somebody. We wish that it was different, but we're stuck. We don't have a way out. I don't know what to do. We've dug ourselves too deep in on a deal, on a, uh, on a fight, on an argument, uh, on an insult. We were insulted. We insulted them. Rabutai, what starts as a darkness where you cannot see the other person, what starts as darkness of being unable to see and be sensitive, results in a deeper type of darkness. First, you just can't see. Then you are immovable. You get stuck. A person is incapable of rising from the lowly place that they have found themselves in. Stubborn, petty, angry, silly, just trying to hurt somebody else because I feel hurt. Rabotai, such is the nature of human beings. And I read something that is magnificent that I think perhaps that is the reason why our rabbis taught, taught us that the darkness of Egypt, its thickness, what was the thickness of the darkness that made it so difficult to move? It had to have a, uh, a consistency. It had to have some level of viscosity to be able to not allow your hand to pass. So if it was the width of a piece of paper, you probably would be able to push through it. How thick was it, say the rabbis? Ke'ovi dinar, the thickness of a dinar. Our rabbis are telling us what is it that most often makes people stuck, that most often makes families fight. It's the width of money. They get into a fight over an inheritance, over percentages in the company. I work harder, you work harder. I deserve the suite, the office, you deserve the office. Ke'ovi dinar. And people can be stuck, Rabotai, for the duration of their lives by this anger, by this inability to see one another, by the choshech that comes, the darkness that comes. You ever wonder why people in a fight can't see the other's perspective? That's this. It's our time, Rabotai. It is the darkness that America finds itself in right now. It's not that there's dialogue and we disagree. I wish we were at a place where America was disagreeing with one another. We don't even see one another. <clears throat> the party is blue, party is red. No one sees that anymore. You can't see anything. We're living in a world right now where anyone that says something that you don't agree with, just shut it off. This is where we are. And that is a dangerous thing if you're a Democrat or if you're a Republican. Could you imagine now, and this is the thing I wish I could shout from the rooftops. Don't you see? You're so nervous to shut voices down. Don't you see what's going to happen? Don't you think when the pendulum swings that they will do the same? You lay out that path. What will they do when it's their turn in the seat? And again, I reiterate this. I'm not a political pundit. I'm not batting for one team or the other. I think mixing politics with religion is not only toxic 
is not only silly, I think it's dangerous. But see, see the politics of humanity. See the road that you're setting all of us on here. Rabotai, the greatest and most beautiful thing in the world is seeing God in our world, is recognizing that human beings and their agendas, none of us is the focal point of the world. The focal point of our world is supposed to be the other. There is only one I in our world and that I is God. God says, Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am Hashem your God. But a deeper understanding of that sentence is Anochi Hashem Elokecha. There's only one me in this world. Every other me is taref. It's impure, it's tameh, it's toxic, it's hedonistic, it's dangerous. You think taking care of yourself is a good thing until you become a self-obsessed narcissist and you push everyone away from you and you are alone and you are broken. That is the darkness of not seeing somebody else. Rabotai, that is why that if you want to know when a person is capable of saying Shema, when can you recognize God's oneness? When do you say, I see, I recognize, I declare that God is here? When can you say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem, that God is one? Mishayakir. The time in the morning when you can say Shema is defined and delineated by when you are capable of recognizing your friend. There's enough light in the room that from four amot away you could say, that's Avi. When you are capable of seeing another, of recognizing their features and their uniqueness, then you have declared the unity of God. You know why? Because if you could see him, the lights are on. What a powerful idea we are learning from the darkness of Egypt and from the light of the Jewish people. You know why they had light? Because they stayed at home. And they had a chance to run if they would have thought of themselves. But they thought, how could we disrespect someone who's done so much for us? They were able to see not just the person standing next to them, but the person standing 200 years behind them. May God bless us always with the gift of sight. And may God bless our country with light once again. May God bless America. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.